Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. David Eichel, Sean Bach, 24-7 Sports, HawkeyeInsider.com. Pretty much an instant reaction swarm cast uh, following the bi-week coordinator availabilities, Phil Parker, LeVar Woods, and of course, the one everybody wants to hear from, Brian Ferentz, met with the media uh, today. And Sean, I, I gotta say, I try not to give us media members too much props, but I really think that the questions that were needed to ask Brian, for example, were were fair. I think Brian even responded as if they were fair questions. I think we got some good stuff out of him. But at the same time, it really doesn't feel like he did anything to help cool down the temperature. But to be fair, what can you really say at this point to kind of cool down the temperature of what's going on with, with the Iowa offense? I guess let's just start from the top. What were your first impressions uh, from, from the offense of just Brian's talk? Yeah, I, I, I honestly thought he did a pretty good job of addressing the media. And like you said, Dave, I think he's also been put in a tough spot. I mean, I guess he's not all to blame for the offensive issues. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think there, he said too, like, it's kind of tough to identify the root cause of it because football is an 11 man game. And I know it's a cliche. I know a lot of people gave him some flack on Twitter for that quote, but at the end of the day with how Iowa runs its offense and how these things are put together, you have to have most of the guys working in unison. And that's something that they've struggled with. And whether that be Spencer Peters missing a couple throws here and there, <clears throat> the run game not being as good as it needs to be, the offensive line struggling. I think the only position that he really said was, you know, consistent was tight ends. And you look at that Rutgers game too. I think that was really the only time where the tight ends were not overly great. And I mean, Sam La- or Luke Lachey, I mean, that was the Michigan game. Luke Lachey had yeah. his best game, yep. but Sam Laporta had a couple of drops. Um, I thought that was pretty noteworthy. You mentioned the offensive line too. And I think the quote that really stood out was him saying that we have guys that are playing right now that we think could be really good players for us, but it's clear that they're playing earlier than we expected them to. Yeah. And, you know, I know how people could take that the wrong way too, but with Iowa, the way it recruits, the way it gets guys and the way it gets them into their program, it's a developmental program. There's no doubt about that. And I think with those guys too, like it's, it's, there's only a small group of guys that can come in right away and, you know, not miss a beat. But I mean, you know, it's, it's something that, I mean, Cooper DeGene was that he was quick, but 
You know, it took him a year to be where he's at now. And some guys are quicker to that than others. And, you know, that's okay. But you're seeing kind of the, the negative effects of that. I mean, I think with this offensive line, we, we talked about before, we've really underestimated the loss of Tyler Linderbaum. Logan Jones, I felt like, has done a good job. But, you know, he, his departure has been – has hurt this Iowa team. And, you know, this offensive line, too, is just so young. A lot of them played last year, but, you know, everyone's different. Maybe this yeah. isn't a team where they click after year one. I mean, look at Brian Balaga, uh, you know, Brandon Scherf, James Vandenberg's 2012 year. You know, he was getting pretty – he was getting beat up pretty well on that offensive line. And, you know, I mean, I know they were a young line at the time, but, you know, this this line may take another year. This is a year where – you know, I still think Iowa can make it to seven and five, six and six, make a bowl game. But this might be that year, and I know people aren't going to like this. This might be that year where, you know, it's going to be a stepping stone year. It's not going to be, okay, we're going to make it to a Big Ten championship, you know, yada, 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 be nine and three, 10 and two, whatever. Can't be 10 and two now. Um, very likely not going to be nine and three. But this might be one of those years where, okay, maybe we need this year to really, you know, find out what we need to do for next year to be that much better, to be, you know, a better program the next few years. And, you know, maybe that starts with the offense. I get the, the results are very frustrating. I mean, Spencer Peterson, his third year, people would thought he'd be more consistent. I think he's done a fine job the past couple of weeks. I mean, you can look at the Illinois game, the second half, maybe not so much. Yeah. First half against Illinois. And I know you disagree with me about the Michigan stuff in the second half. I thought, you know, yes, they were down. Michigan still had a decent amount of their uh, their starters in, but they and they were still pressing up. I mean, I think they put some backups in, but I think really just like everything came together in that second half. And you know, it's I mean, you got to give your hat tip to Illinois too. But you know, just speaking, uh, and sometimes teams are just better than you. And I think that's some things that some people maybe fail to realize. And, you know, it's easy to blame the coordinators and stuff, but it's a, it's a group thing. Like Brian kind of mentioned it. It's a, it's a committee. And that's what I'm saying. Like people hyper-focus in on Petrus, but Sean, you know, for as great as Iowa's done on the O-line over the years and developing, we aren't talking about this enough. They completely whiffed on two offensive line recruiting classes. Let me, let me, Let's take a trip down memory lane, right? 2018. Now, to be fair, Cody Ince, had he not medically retired, I think would be a very key part of this team because he probably would still be eligible. He'd be playing. So Cody Ince would have been good. Jack Plum hasn't panned out the way people have wanted him to. Jeff Jenkins uh, transferred. Obviously, Tyler Linderbaum was a big hit. But let's go with that 2019 recruiting class, specifically for the offensive line. Ezra Miller, I know there was more factors to his time at Iowa in terms of um, mental health and everything. He couldn't return to Iowa after being medically retired, but you're allowed to go to a different school, so he didn't return to Iowa. He's currently at Nebraska. Tyler Andres hasn't turned out. Justin Britt has had a very injury-riddled career. Uh, Noah Fenske is now at Colorado. I mean, Sean, these are two full offensive line classes where – you're not getting one significant contributor. And when you look at Iowa's success stories over the years, yes, you have your, your Tristan Wirfs, you have some of those other guys, but at the same time, 
you have those fourth year guys, those fifth year guys that take steps forward on the line. And that's why when you look at the offensive line now, you have four sophomores and one freshman starting on the line. And again, I think in due time, they're going to be really, really good. But right now it's just, it's, what do you say? Shaky at best. And I, I tweeted this from after I heard Brian talk about this, Brian said, there's no one root cause with the Iowa offensive struggles. Now, while I think that's accurate, I don't think that's exactly inspiring confidence that you can fix these sort of things. And if I'm Brian Ferentz, you've got to be able to pinpoint one or two things right now that you can do to try to fix things, right? Just going forward to the second half of the season, give your offense some confidence and give fans some belief in, in somehow that they can turn this around. Yeah, and I, I said, too, like, I mean, it comes down to execution and with the way Iowa runs everything. I mean, they've been able to get away with some, you know, below average wide receiver play and or not below average, but very middle of the road wide receiver play in some years because they had a really good run game or they had a really good offensive line. But this year when, you know, the run game kind of isn't where it needs to be then that's where trouble ensues and the offensive line struggles. Like that's where more trouble ensues and it's a domino effect. And I, I do think this line can turn it around, maybe, you know, show improvement improvement, but I think next year is going to be really the year when we can judge what these offensive line classes have been. I mean, 2021, these guys were in high school two years ago. And I get it. It's frustrating. Like, these guys were highly ranked guys. I mean, Bo Stevens, Connor Colby, Tyler Hellsbury were all four-star recruits on 24-7. Logan Jones was a four-star defensive tackle, but he was a defensive tackle. And Iowa has expressed a lot of confidence that he's going to be good. You know, Bo Stevens, I think, could be better. I mean, I I think he was a guy that, yes, could make an impact in year one, but I think he was one of those guys that maybe needed another year as a more rotational piece as opposed to this year being the star. I mean, Connor Colby, you know, I think he is a really good high upside guy that could be a potential NFL guy. You know, the results don't show it now. He's got the lowest grade, I think, of the starting offensive lineman on pro football focus this year. But I think he's going to need another year or two to really, you know, see what he can develop into. There's so many – I know when people are going to be frustrated too because they want to see these results right now, and I totally understand that. But – and, I mean, people are going to be like, okay, but, you know, we thought this would be next year where things would be improved, yep. you know. Yep. But it's one of those things where, yes, like I get what you're saying, but maybe at this point, yes, there could be improvement, but maybe we got to take this Iowa team for what it is right now. But – at the end of the day, too, we could be having a completely com- different conversation right now. Yes, we could still be talking about the offensive struggles, but let's not forget Iowa could be 5-1 and one right now. And I know people don't want to hear that, but <laughs> Iowa State, Monty Potomom holds on to the ball. It's 14-3. Illinois, Iowa makes a couple – Bigger plays. They scored. The they scored a touchdown yes. on, the, on the, when they got the yes. ball to the four-yard line. Yes. And, you know, there's just mistakes that maybe – I mean, Brian mentioned today, there's tiny little mistakes and penalties. Like, I'm not saying this team's undisciplined by any means, but, you know, they're not catching breaks this year like maybe they did last year. And I know people are going to be frustrated with this, but that's kind of football. And 
you know, those tiny breaks that maybe Iowa had last year that they didn't get this year are, you know, not coming to, and to be a good team, you got to be lucky at times. Like no I totally understand. Yeah. No I totally question. understand. Like, like Ohio state is, you know, I, I mean, Alabama struggled this past weekend, but you look at Georgia last year. I mean, there were times where they got lucky. I couldn't point out specifics, but every team has gotten lucky in some regard, whether that be an opponent, opponent injured, you know, Georgia was on another planet too with that defense, but they were probably the only team that could get away with a really, you know, below average offense. So, so let me ask with the you defense this, Sean, really, really quick, because I want to go back to your point about Iowa could be five and one, because I have my opinion on this. Are fans still as frustrated if Iowa's five and one? Are they still as frustrated with this offense if Iowa got those couple breaks? And again, I hate the what if game, but I think it's applicable here. Yeah, I definitely think they're frustrated, but I think the noise is a lot lower than it is. The noise outside the program, the noise inside the program, like, I mean, yes, there's frustration, there's understanding that you know, this team needs to be better and this offense needs to be better. But the noise outside is a lot louder than I think what's going on inside. Now, granted, I think they're doing things this week to, you know, kind of pick it up. I mean, I know it's a bye week, but I bet there's a combination of being strategic and, you know, having pretty hard practices and being like, hey, this is unacceptable. But, you know, how much can you really change Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. In a two-week span. You, you can't. And I think Brian addressed that today. He said, we're not going to come out in a five-wide receiver set. And, you know, to be fair about that, I mean, they're even even if they were healthy, I don't think they'd be doing that, Sean, because yeah, they don't have enough scholarship guys right now. And they said they aren't going to come out in a wildcat. But at some point, you got to try something new. And to go back to Connor Colby very quickly, I think Connor Colby, would you agree with me, Connor Colby's long-term future is an offensive guard and tackle at this point. Because I've always said move him to tackle, but I think after what I've seen from him now, I think once Caden Proctor gets on campus, you have to throw Colby back at guard because then you have Richmond and Proctor at tackles. But right now, Colby is the best option to, at opposite of Richmond at tackle. It's just I know it's not ideal, but he's one of the best five linemen on the team, and you have to have him because right now Jack Plum is just not where he needs to be because guess what? He'd probably be playing if that was the case. I mean, even like David, like Iowa's had some unfortunate breaks too. I mean, you look at the David Davidoff situation, yeah. obviously that's that's complicated, but I mean, he would probably be thrown in there too this year. You know, he yep. he was pretty, I mean, outside of injuries and, 
you know, stuff that he's dealing with now, like there was, you know, reason to believe that he could potentially fill that role in due time or, you know, be another rotational piece. And I think Connor Colby, I mean, yes, he was a four-star. Yes, he's a highly regarded guy. I still think he's an NFL guy eventually. I do too. But it's like when – how often do we see linemen at Iowa come into fruition in their fourth or fifth year as opposed to, like, second or third year? Like, yes, like, you know, Brian, the Brian Belagas, Brandon Schurz, the Austin Blythe, the, the Tristan Warps, like, those are an elite category. But who's to say, like, this line won't have a guy? I think this line's going like to be very that. good in, in a year yeah. or two. I really do. I like all the guys, and I know Barnett's taking – a beating right now from the fan base. Are you in the same boat as I am, Sean? That's just too early to really, you know, think about firing Barnett. I think it's too early. I think you need to get at least oh, halfway through so, next year. It's dumb. I like. I, I, I get the frustration with it, but I think you have to remember too. Like these things aren't built overnight. Like yes, you know, over like a couple months span, like can make a little bit of a difference. But there is so much that goes into coaching that like I would like most coaches would forget more than I would even know. And it's not even close. Yeah. But it's just like, if you fire someone, then you got to burn. Then like you're Kansas is a different, you know, situation like that place. Like you couldn't get any lower than it was before from a power power, eh, power five perspective. But like that's rare. Like you're not going to have that with the turnaround that they had. And, you know, they've caught some breaks at the beginning of the year too. I mean, they've been a good football team, but you know, they've caught some breaks. And I think with Iowa, you know, maybe you have to go. I mean, I know people aren't happy about it, but maybe you got to go through a year where, okay, like this might be a developmental year. And then we can look at this next year as a potential year for us. To you know, and I don't want to talk too much about like next year. Yeah, I agree. But I think the results this year have kind of made us and made a lot of people more realistic about you know understanding how a program is built and understanding how you know guys are able to develop. And you know, maybe maybe it's a seven and five year, and you just kind of kind of come to terms with it. I mean, but then once again, like. You know, Iowa could very well be five and one this year at this point, and we could be having a completely different conversation. It's such a weird line to toe because Sean, you talk about seven and five right now. I think Iowa's fighting for bowl eligibility. Yeah, I think I think it's realistic at this point. I think you look at the schedule. There's no gimmies on that schedule anymore. There's not, and. You know, again, not to talk too much about next year, but if there's one thing I think we've learned or Iowa coaches have to learn, two things have to happen in this next offseason, Sean. If things continue the way they do, there's got to be a coaching change. I don't know where. I'm not going to call for anybody specifically, but something has to change. The scheme has to change slightly. And two, Sean, Iowa's got to hit the transfer portal. They just – it's not sustainable what's going on right now, especially a wide receiver, the attrition that's there. It just that they need more bodies right now. And I think that's something that they're going to have to take a deep look in the mirror on. And what about tight end? They might need to go after a highly touted tight end because the Bordeaux being the NFL, they have Lachey and maybe Stilianos. 
comes around and becomes that second tight end that I was getting next year. They have some guys that can maybe get the job done, but right now, and I know I asked Brian this during today, and this is something I want to talk about because and make sure I can actually find it. But I asked him flat out that, you know, when you look at what's going on right now, what can you do with this bye week and what can you focus on specifically in terms of taking that first and second step to getting to where they want to be? And I did think this was an insightful answer by him. One, you said they need to eliminate the negative plays. And I thought, you know, you just look at what's been going on. Iowa getting tackles for losses in the running game way too frequently. And he also brought up self-induced wounds. I mean, the, the penalties. And he didn't blame anybody else but Iowa. I mean, we've talked about how many times this year, Sean, where a penalty has really stopped any momentum that Iowa's offense create. Maybe Iowa rips off a big run. But a block that had nothing to do with the play gets called for a hold, like on the other side of the line. I mean, Iowa has to do that. And I think he just said – what I've said all year. And I think you've echoed, they have to make the makeables that they they just have to. And I do like that. Brian didn't specifically throw anybody under the bus from that regard. He just said, look, all 11 positional players need to get better. And I mean, the only thing you can say, and I know we pointed a tight end, which has been good this year, but Sean, there were a couple of games where the tight ends were invisible. I think you can remember that too. We talked about, you know, tight ends really didn't do too much. And it is one of those things where, Again, I'm eager to see how Iowa comes out of this. I think Caleb Johnson's going to continue to get a bigger workload. And I like that Brian said, you know, I think we need to get the ball the perimeter a lot, a little bit more than we're doing. I mean, you got some guys think maybe getting a Deontay Vines back is going to be a big deal. And, you know, Brian was pretty, sounded pretty confident in what Vines could do and act like he was a pretty big breakout star of the, of the fall, which we reported a couple of times, but Something I did want to also dive into, Sean, and this has been the talk of social media basically since this press conference. And I want you and I to dissect it a little bit more. He was asked about making a potential quarterback change. Now, I think, again, the noise from a couple of weeks ago is much, much louder. And I think it was much more relevant before, you know, I think the other issues surrounding the offense really surfaced the way they have. But now I want to read the full exchange just for full context here so people don't misconstrue it. Okay. So I believe it was Chad Lysko, the Des Moines Register said, Brian, I wanted to ask about the quarterback. What would be the downside of going with Alex? You still have Spencer on the team, but what was the, what would be the downside of giving him a shot? And Brian said the downside of, like, he didn't understand it. And Chad said, making a change at quarterback. And Brian replied, what would be the upside? I'm not trying to be coy. What I'm saying is, what's the downside? I'm not interested in making a change for change's sake. What I'm looking at is, I'm saying, what's the upside? I don't know. There's unknown there. I know what Spencer has done. I know what Spencer can do. And I know what he does every day. That's the evaluation piece that we're talking about. That's what the decision's made on. Now there's two things I want to focus in on Sean, then I'll let you rebuttal with that. One, I really don't know what you can say about, I know what Spencer is. I know what Spencer can do because Alex Padilla is not exactly an unknown commodity. He started a few games last year. Iowa's biggest scoring performance of Sean came with Padilla at quarterback over the last, you know, calendar year or so. But at the same time, this really stuck out to me. I know what Spencer can do and I know what he does every day. That's the evaluation piece that we're talking about. I don't know why, but that sentence really just kind of stuck a volume to me. Like is Spencer doing that much more that's, that's not being reported on or maybe behind the scenes or, I guess, how'd you kind of take that, that answer? Cause again, I know a lot of people were really upset with it. 
Yeah, I think so. And I know how people are going to take that the wrong way. And I mean, you look back at the Deuce Hogan stuff last year, I think a couple of people brought that up on Twitter, but I also think it's a little bit of a different conversation. I mean, yes, but also like to a point, it's like he's being honest about where things are at and I get the frustration, but it's like you, I think you look at, we'd have to go back and like watch all those games again, but I mean, Northwestern was a very beatable opponent that Alex beat. I'm not knocking on Alex, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, low-scoring game. Minnesota, yes, there were a couple big throws that were made. And what was the other game? I mean, they look at the Nebraska game. I think that – I mean, I know the defense and special teams won that game, but, you know – Well, you know, Alex I, got benched to that game the first, at the end of the yeah. first, second half, right? Yep. Yeah. I just think they think there's something – or they see something – I mean – and once again, I mean, you got to trust the coaching staff in this situation because they've been doing it for so long. Yep. And we're just guys that get paid to, like, analyze the game and, like, you know, see it from our point of view. But, you know, I mean, it's Iowa. Like, they're not going to want to change stuff. And I get that's frustrating. I get, like, a lot of people want them to get with the times when it's changing stuff. But it's like, you know, they see more than they we see. You know, they – are around it every day. Like they understand it. You know, there's, I think there's reason to believe that what Brian is saying when it comes to Padilla and Petrus, like it's clear, like there is a clear difference between those two. And, you know, I think there's other reasons why Petrus has struggled. I mean, I think confidence factor might be part of it at times. I think, I mean, Brian said it too. Like we got guys out there that, shouldn't be playing this early like we think they can be really good players but we didn't expect them to play that this early i think they can be good players but yep. it's pretty early and i think you know without saying it some of those guys might be at some of the receiver positions and maybe to start the year i think alec wick and jack johnson you know i'm not pointing them out specifically but i think those were two that kirk kind of mentioned at one point as well, being guys that, you know, we didn't expect to play this early once they got here. And Brian so, did say for the, for the record, Brian did say when he had onto that, like you said, I mean, they want to keep developing guys more injuries certainly haven't helped in some areas. And obviously people departing, yeah. you know, the off season, off season, just well, kind of turnover. And look at Brody Brock too. Like he was hurt for most of fall camp and he yep. was also gone for most of the spring and he's played the third most snaps at receiver on this team. Like, there is, you know, there there's receiver position is something that needs to get better. That would be, I mean, offensive line, I think, is a big part of it. But, you know, it, it seems like in the past that Iowa has had at least one wide receiver that you could be like, okay, he's going to catch the ball or he's going to get open. He's going to create separation. I know that 2017 or 2016 team, where they had very minimal scholarship guys. I think they were down to two scholarship wide receivers at that point. You know, there was some – I mean, I think Nico Regani, but, I mean, it look was, at him. I think it was Kellen Copeland's first year. So that was 2017? I be, I'd, have to, I'd have to double check it. It's either 16 or 17, though, yeah. But they were very limited at that position. But then, you know, you had Noah Fant. You had – uh, promising you tj hawkinson like you know there was i think it was 2017 i think it was too i'm fairly certain it was 
But I, I'm with you, Sean. And again, if I was get the transfer portal, it was, again, 2016. It was, it was 2016. 2016. Okay. Yeah. If I was get the transfer portal, I think no matter what, they have to get wide receiver. They, they just, they have to. Uh, the, otherwise, I don't know what more you can really say. But at the same time, and this is where I want your perspective on it, Sean. How do you get guys to play in the system right now? I mean, how, how do you yeah. recruit guys? How do you get people excited about playing in Iowa's offense? It, it It's tough. Belief in stability and belief in that younger guys can come in and make an impact and belief in the, I mean, like I said, stability. I think the quote that stood out to me about from James Rezar, the four-star quarterback commit in 2024, was he said, it's not like Brian forgot how to coach. Yeah. Like, I get the frustration, like, with the scheme, with some of the play calling. Yes, he said he needs to be better with play calling. But I think personnel is also something where there needs to be improvement, and that doesn't help. And there are just so many things that have to go right with a team to be successful. And, you know, it just hasn't this year. It really feels like we could just sit here and dissect this over and over again, but – you know, I will say for my final kind of piece to kind of wrap up this podcast, Sean, and I'll get your final comments after. I know people want to say, like, there's nothing that Brian can say that's going to make everything better. Okay, there's nothing, right? You agree with that? Mm-hmm. I thought Brian, outside of the the no downside, the what's the upside thing. So actually, let me back up. When you said what's the upside, well, you're dead last in offense right now. You, you you literally cannot get worse. And I think I get Brian's point, and I like what you said. We get Brian's point. I thought it could have been phrased better or phrased in a different yeah. way. Well, I mean, Kirk, I, I do, Kirk had a couple answers like that. I mean, on yeah. Saturday and in the past where I think things could have been phrased better. But, yeah, and I get why people are going to – and people are going to take it out of context too. But, you know, I think – with, I mean, when you're doing these press conferences, yes, you can give the media and fans a good idea of what's going on, but it's not like you want to give the entire picture of everything. That's oh, happening. no question. No yeah. question. But, you know, I will say, and I don't know if you got the same vibe, and again, I know it doesn't make a difference from fans' perspective. I still think it's worth putting out there. I thought Brian Ferentz was very accountable. I thought he continually blamed himself. He said, I need to be better. My play calling needs to be better. I need to do this. I'm. It's ultimately reflects on me. And I think that's a big deal. And I like how he added, it's like my dad's the head coach. Like, of course, there's added pressure. I'm human. Like, I feel it. So I think there's no doubt that he wants to be better. I think Brian at times overthinks the simplest things. And I think that's what getting him in trouble. But, Sean, again, from my perspective, I thought Brian was very accountable. Now, does he still need to be better? Absolutely. Does it make up for anything? No. But I still think it's worth putting out there that he didn't blame anybody but himself. That that was my vibe, at least. Yeah, and the narrative that Brian is a bad football mind, just doesn't know what he's doing and wants Iowa to lose is one of the dumbest things ever. Yeah. Um, he took a lot of accountability today, like you mentioned. And, you know, he's a smart guy. There's just some things that haven't worked out. And, you know, I know it's like, you know, if it 
if it happens in year three, if it happens next year, depending on the personnel, I think you got to really take a look at some things. But, you know, I, I understand the frustration. Like, there's got to be a little bit of something that works. But, you know, you got to just have everyone execute. And, you know, you're not going to win every one-on-one battle in every play. But if you have more guys outdo the other guys, there's something that's going to be picked up and you're going to find success. But it just hasn't happened. There's no doubt that there's probably no coordinator with more pressure on in the back half of the season than Brian Ferris. I just – I know Gary Barta said last week that he has full faith in Brian Ferris, but, Sean, the noise is only going to grow louder. The revenue is going to tank. And I, I can guarantee you that if Iowa doesn't show improvement for next football season, if Iowa doesn't make a bowl game, the fans are going to make it very well known financially that uh, they're not going to continue to put up with the product that's being put on the field. That's – that's fairly obvious to me. So I'm very interested to see how, what Brian and the offense does for the final, you know, six games of the season, maybe seven games of the season. We'll see what happens, but we'll have much more from today's press conference. We already have a bunch of stuff up at HawkeyeInsider.com and we're going to have that throughout the next few days as Iowa enjoys their bye week and we kind of reset for the second half of the season. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 24-7, and be sure to stay tuned to the Swarmcast and 24-7 Sports for all your Iowa Hawkeyes needs. Until next time, talk to you soon. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.